Hi there, my name is Erica Browning, and I am blown away by all the places your nursing degree can take you. Here, we showcase basic nurses doing some really cool things. My goal is to bring to you ideas, options, and inspiration. Think of this as a fun conversation with a friend where you laugh a ton and leave feeling encouraged and empowered. That nursing degree you worked so hard for is just the beginning. I'm here to show you what is possible. This is the Black Sheep Nurse Podcast. Hi, Jolie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much, Erica, for having me today. Yeah. Well, let me, before we get started, I want to introduce you a little bit to our audience. Jolie Crowder, she is an RN, just like the rest of us, but then she went on to get her master's. She has her PhD, and then she's also a certified case manager Side note, we'll get to this later. So am I. So much to talk about. But her current role is as a national elder health consultant, and that falls under, she works for the Division of Clinical Community Services under the Indian Health Service. So that's where she is currently. And um, we were just talking before the podcast episode started about this is just so cool to be able to interview nurses doing all these cool jobs and just showing nurses what is possible with their degree. So Julie, thank you for coming on. Let's start from the beginning. Where are you from? I was born in Mechanicsville, Virginia, which is um, back then is a kind of farm town, very rural community. You know, I wouldn't say we were, you know, lived in poverty, but, you know, probably economically strapped kind of in a farming community. They, it's evolved a lot, like most places in the last 50, dare I say, years, um, yeah. and grown up a little bit, but still um, a fairly rural part of the community. Yeah. So what piqued your interest in nursing? Did you have family, some sort of experience? What's your story? You know, it's funny. When I started undergrad, I was a communications major, and I went home one semester, and my dad said, what are you going to do with that exactly? And I said, well, you know, TV, radio, and he looked and he said, really, what are you going to do with that exactly? You're like, dad, I'm going to communicate. (laughs) Right. Thank you for crushing my dreams. Um, But I'd also taken a couple communications classes and I was like, I'm not sure this is right for me. And so um, I, I landed in an anatomy and physiology class. I don't even know why I took it, but it was just awesome. Like, but I'm a little odd in that very early on, they're like, hey, we have a new cadaver. Does anybody want to help us clean it up? And I like raised my hand so fast because that just sounded super cool. And I was like only one of two people out of a really big class who thought that that was interesting. And so I think that kind of sealed the deal for me. I did when I was in high school, we had to do service projects and uh, started running volunteer rescue squad and I was 16 and was just so engaged with it that I ended up um, getting my ENT certification uh, and which was probably the youngest at the time and then that area and so did that pretty much all through high school but didn't think when I left high school I was destined for a medical career. Okay so you're in when, when you volunteered to help with the cadaver where you're like Segue into nursing. Like, how did we get into nursing? I, I did forget that. Yeah, so um, I really enjoyed that. And I think I reflected back on how much I enjoyed sort of the, the rescue squad experience. And I also wanted to make money. Uh, and so I was kind of poking around looking for things in health sciences, in that health science space. 
um, looked at medical school and realized my grades were just not a match um, uh, for medical school. And then at the time actually was reading up about nurse practitioners and sort of the role that they play, which this was a really long time ago and is very early in sort of the career process for MPs. And I thought, you know, that could be me. That's, that's I think, what I want to do. And from that moment forward, just, you know, escalated on a pathway to get me there. Okay. So you, at that time, did you transition into nursing school? You changed your major? Um, well, I changed my entire university. Um, I switched to another school and then I applied to a couple university-based RM programs. And then I also applied to a local diploma program. I don't even know that they have diploma programs around anymore, but um, didn't get into the university programs as life would have it, but did get into the diploma program. And so I guess it was probably a year, um, you know, after I took that anatomy class, I was moving forward on a pathway to a nursing degree. Okay. So when did you graduate nursing school? What year are we talking here? Gosh, really? I've already said uh, like how, how many decades old I am, I suppose, but um, 1996, I graduated with my diploma um, from what was then Richmond Memorial School of Nursing. Okay. And so you did, did you go straight into working at a hospital? What did you do? Yeah, I um, um, was dating an amazing guy who is now my husband at the time. And so he was living up in Syracuse, New York, or um, Binghamton, New York. And so I moved up there and um, got a job in the small regional hospital. And um, I knew I wanted to go on, right? And my vision was becoming a nurse practitioner. And so at the same time I started there, I worked on a surgical step-down unit. At the same time, I also enrolled. They had a an outreach, a distance learning program through Syracuse University. So I started nursing and in that same semester also enrolled in that program to work on my BSN. Okay. So I don't see nurse practitioner on your list. Did it never come to fruition? You know, I, I really believe, at least in my life and probably everybody's lives, that like life is a journey and things happen over time that point you in a direction and it's going to sound really weird but i was filling out my application for the master's program and i actually couldn't decide between health systems management and the in one of the np uh, programs and like i had completed everything and i literally just had to check the box and drop it in the mail and i said i got to decide by tomorrow morning so i went to sleep and i had a dream that I did the health systems management program. So I woke up, confidently checked the box and dropped it in the mail and um, never looked back. <laughs> I love that. I totally agree with you. There's, you know, you make all these plans, you think you're going to do X, Y, Z. And then as you make your way through your journey, your mind changes for yeah. whatever reason. And, you know, you look back and you're like, yep, that was the right decision for me. Yeah. So fast forward you get your PhD. Do you wait a little while between your master's and your PhD or? I waited, I waited 20 years actually. So you did. Okay. Yeah. So um, I ended up finishing up my BSN um, at Syracuse and then got into the master's program at UVA health systems management and worked um, a variety of jobs really, but popped out of that program uh, and worked as the director of scientific and technical affairs for an association that works on quality improvement, which was an area that I specialized in my master's program, uh, just because I 
took a course and really enjoyed it. And then um, did lots of things, you know, over and worked for lots of different places over the course of 20 years or so. And then, gosh, I graduated in 2019, so four years before that, like 2015, I was working for a small nonprofit, and my positions were grant funded. And those we didn't end up, you know, winning any more awards. We only applied for a couple more, and I was sort of at a, a crossroads trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. Uh, and as it happened, started to look around at PhD programs, I looked at a couple and I, I'm kind of a wuss, but the only one that didn't require me to retake, um, like a GRE or, you know, official exam to get back into a PhD program was UVA. Uh, and UVA also has a really great program for PhD students where you're fully funded. Like there's no cost for tuition if you get in. And then you have to do a couple TA experiences, graduate teaching experiences, but then they also pay you to do that work too. And so obviously I couldn't, I wasn't working full time like some of my other colleagues, but uh, enrolled in that in 20, I guess 2016, 2015, and then graduated with my PhD in 2019. Okay, nice. Okay, so what was your, your PhD? What was, what did you specialize in? Or at least what did you study, I guess? Sure. Um, uh, it was nursing science, and my focus was actually elder abuse in the Native American population. Uh, in the couple years before I went back for my PhD, I'd been working with a nonprofit that focused on indigenous elder issues. And one of the last pieces that we really, you know, were trying to get funded was some work on elder abuse. And so I'd literally spent a year like researching. Uh, and writing for grants and felt like I, I didn't want to go into a PhD program to like make that topic my life's work. It was really to pick up and sharpen skills that I had um, and that I picked up, you know, kind of along the way in my career. So figured that was probably as good a focus as any. Plus, I wanted to do something still within indigenous populations because I really, that's really meaningful work for me that I've been engaged in for a number of years. Okay. So how did you uh, has the indigenous population just always been a passion of yours or how did you even get introduced to that? Yeah. Um, so like, I guess it's probably 10 or 12 years ago now. Um, I was doing work, uh, consulting work and the gentleman who um, ran that small company also is the president of this nonprofit, the International Association for Indigenous Aging. And they were awarded a couple grants. Um, to do some evaluation work and then sort of project management. And he's like, we really need help. And these are things that are a great fit. And so can you come work for us? And I was like, I don't know much about tribal populations, but I do know like the skill set of the task that needed to be done. And then ever since started that work and have been hooked on work with the population. Okay. So fast forward, you are now... Let me get my notes back out. The National Elder Health Consultant. Are there more than one of you or you're it? I am it. Uh, and it's weird. for some reason, IHS titled a lot of their positions consultants, but we're not really consultants, like as in like we're, we're paid employees of the federal government. And um, but I think their perspective is that we serve as a subject matter expert in that area and provide consultation within our agency on the programs that we lead. Okay. So what do you do all day, Jolie? What is entailed in your job? Um, well, it's funny. You just had me turn off my email notifications 
because of the being in the background, sorry about that, but that is probably 95% of my day is, you know, answering emails. We have, I, mean, I was really excited to move into this position, which I did in the fall, having worked in the nonprofit industry and some little side jobs in consulting for 25 years. Switching to a Fed position that late in your career is really unusual. And mm. so, and I'm a sort of a free spirited, free thinker kind of person, and bureaucracy gives me the heebie jeebies. Um, however, this is a brand new, brand new position to set up a brand new program focused on Alzheimer's and dementia. And I've been working in that space for the last three years. And the, the sort of the hook for me was that it was focused on training of healthcare workers um, about care and management uh, and, you know, really transforming a health system and their approach to diagnosis and management of people living with dementia. And it kind of brought me back full circle to the first job I ever had, which was about QI and process and change. And so... Um, was really excited to step into this position and I lead the Alzheimer's team. There's a team of three um, plus some other folks in our division. So. so it's Alzheimer's specifically within the American Indian population. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're, we're technically the, um, technically elder health, but our funding and appropriations are all specific to Alzheimer's. But okay. I mean, anybody who works and with that patient population or knows anything about the disease knows that, you know, dementia co-occurs with every, nobody has just dementia alone, right? It co-occurs with so many other health illnesses. And so, you know, if you have hypertension and dementia, you're still a person who is living with the complexity that Alzheimer's creates in your life. So yeah. We do other things, but largely the efforts and um, work are focused on Alzheimer's. Okay. So you said part of your work is training the healthcare professionals that are on these reservations. Is that accurate? Um, yes. So I, a training and education will be a large part of our efforts. Um, you know, I'll more than likely sort of the approach that we'll take, because there's 15,000 IHS employees and like three of us on a team. So um, we're looking into some acquisitions that'll help bring some support to the program to help us, for instance, with training and education and some outreach and awareness. And so my role really then becomes working with that contractor as a subject matter expert to say in the both the population as well as the workforce in the dementia space and helping them create the trainings that we need. So. Right now, I am everything, and so I, I do the trainings that we're offering at the moment or kind of coordinate and host those. Well, that reminds me, just a reminder for everyone listening, if you've listened to the podcast, we had Andrew you on, and he did uh, more specifically HIV training, STD training, and uh, but for the Indian Health Services uh, to serve American Indian populations. But he traveled a lot. He would go from place to place to help train the actual providers um is that so you're saying you don't do that you would train the trainer to go and do that yeah so part of my role um the the, the biggest essay initiative or portion of our work and where we're dedicating funding is to uh, grants and awards to indian health service units tribes who run their own primary care or urban indian health organizations and so 
you know, a big part of my job is serving as the federal project officer for those grants and awards. Uh, and so in that space, I think, you know, we provide subject matter expertise and I'll do site visits with those guys. But honestly, being so new in the job, I, I feel like my connection on those site visits is less about sort of the monitoring compliance or training and more about really understanding their communities and the context in which they operate. And then bringing what I know about dementia and contacts and training and things to theirs, you know, as it meets their needs. So Andrew's, Andrew's a hoot. I didn't listen to all of his interview, but um, <laughs> his, his personality really shines through. I think the difference in sort of his space uh, is um, in addition to the HIV work, they are working on like, you know, STIs related to HCV as well as HIV. And right now, unfortunately, there are some huge crisis-like outbreaks in that space uh, with a workforce that really doesn't know how to handle it. And you can't just throw a webinar up and say, this is the best approach for mass screening activities in this space or how to read and interpret. And so he came from a, a really recent clinical environment where he could just take that learning and his direct care experience um, and then go right out into Montana uh, and work alongside those staff. He still has to manage his grants, like I have to manage grants, but right. in this instance, um, there was it's literally a crisis in Indian country right now. Alzheimer's, you know, we talk about Alzheimer's as a crisis, if you will. However, um, it's not an acute care crisis normally. Um, oftentimes people are diagnosed in an acute care setting, but it's not like dementia just suddenly pops up and there's not a cure. So it doesn't kind of happen in that same sort of time sensitive nature, I think, um, in which Andrew works. Okay. I find that to be fascinating. I, poor Andrew, he was traveling everywhere and he was telling us how his role was new, I think like yours, and was kind of evolving. You know, as mm -hmm. you get out there and you start conducting the role, you're like, oh, we have all of these XYZ needs that weren't initially anticipated. Right. And we need to develop policies and procedures around these needs in order to better serve this population. So I think that's really yeah. cool. Like you're on the forefront of this yeah. new stuff. So for the nurses out there, we'll back up. You are, um, you're an employee, but we'll still call you a, a national elder health consultant. You work for Indian Health Services. So you work for the federal government. Yep. Are there a lot of opportunities for nurses who would like to do that? At, at the headquarters level, sort of like in the role that Andrew and I are in, you know, I think those openings are a little bit fewer and far between, but they do exist, uh, you know. And I, I think the other thing is, like, my job wasn't advertised for nurses. The job that I'm in was, was exactly what it is. You didn't have to have any credentials, actually. Uh, and but I am a nurse who had all the skill set and have built those skills over time. And it was the place and space that I wanted to be in. And so I would say as people are thinking about, you know, new and different roles is it doesn't have to be specifically in nursing. Look for the thing that sort of rings your bell or is a passion for you um, and then make your way there and apply for those types of jobs, too. Otherwise, right. kind of to your question, Indian Health Service is in a severe uh, healthcare shortage, particularly amongst nurses. The pay is pretty good. There's tons of nursing vacancies out there. Uh, you know, and it's unfortunate, like many, I think many uh, healthcare systems right now 
we have such a dire need for more nurses and other disciplines in the workforce. Um, at the same time, like we're trying to keep the people that we have happy and reduce stress and make better work environments. And so um, I'm hopeful. I think they're they're making a really big concerted effort to try to push forwards and then hopefully get ahead of, sort of the, the shortage that I think was worsened as part of COVID. Okay. So what would your advice be for nurses who are like, you know, hey, I think I do want to kind of work for the federal government. I think that would be um, a great opportunity. And maybe the position is advertised for nurses and maybe it's not. What would you recommend for them? Where would they, what website would they go to? Um, yeah. Sure. Um, so uh, for federal jobs, uh, you want to set up an account on usajobs.com. I would say set up your resume, get everything ready to go. And then um, I think if you can check boxes and do some searches for different agencies, different locations and save those. And I believe then you'll get notified. I will say one thing that I've learned is the openings, except for like, you know, nurses, which they kind of keep a perpetual opening for positions like mine and Andrews uh, and a lot of the headquarters positions, they only stay open for like 10 days to two weeks. Uh, and even with that, they'll get, I think we had a position open recently in our division and they had like 800 applicants. And so you have to be fast, like, you know, have a sense of what you might want to do, recognize it's a really big pool of people applying for some of these jobs, um, but be quick. Um, I would also say as you work on your resume, there is often this tendency for people to, you know, have really short, abbreviated resumes. Machines are reading most of these resumes these days. And so oh. as I crafted my resume, um, I, I put almost everything. Like I make mention of words that I know are important and that align back um, like to lots of different spaces and places in terms of competency. Like I can manage grants. I can manage budget. I can do research, right? So I have a lot of keywords and then specifics in that space. So have a have a bigger resume, I think, is is better than shorter uh, for the USA job sort of federal route. Um, and then talk about the diversity of the things that you've done. Okay. Are they looking for people who have um, experience with grants? It sounds like it. Um, you know, for this, for my role and for Andrew's role in particular, because we had programs that, like, that was part of our responsibility was grants management. Um, I think that was a, a piece that was important to them. Not every division and program has grants. And so I think um, it really just kind of depends. But I also don't think, like, if you didn't have grants management experience, it would make that a non-starter. So don't be put off because you might not have that specific experience. I would say apply anyway. And then think about work that maybe you've done that draws some similarities to that specific skill. So you might not have managed a grant, but perhaps you've managed a project, right? Even a small unit specific project or something like that. So you can talk about the ability and the skills it takes to manage a project um, in that way. So. And then additionally, if a nurse, um, maybe they don't want to work for the federal government, but they do want to get involved with uh, the American Indian population um, and maybe elder services or just in general, how, what would you, advice would you have for them for getting involved with that population? Um, well, IHS is always hiring nurses. Uh, oh, and so okay. um, 
the federal benefits are, are pretty darn good. But, you know, it's often under-resourced locations, and so it can be a little bit more of a challenging work environment, I think. But I think the, the, the population that we're serving, many of whom are, you know, really so in need, um, that it, it's a very mission-driven, I think, experience. Um, otherwise, I, you know, I, I think part of the challenge is working with American Indian and Alaska Native populations, or even if, say, you wanted to focus on Hispanic populations and you hadn't been in that space before, um, is, is kind of getting your foot in the door with the community, because there's a lot of mistrust. Uh, and um, there are a lot of people who fly in, do something with the community, and then take from them, and then go about their business and mm -hmm. sort of leave them behind. And so, in research and projects and all sorts of, um, of ways, plus sort of just the history of how the government has engaged often white people in government. And so, you really have to build a track record, I think, um, and you have to stay engaged. Like. I was listening to a presentation last week and the gal said, you know, if you want to connect with my community, put your tennis shoes on and your jeans and come out to my community, like participate in my events and meet my people. Uh, and then that's really how you start to, you know, make connections and, and I think really gain credibility in the space is, is being there with them and then being persistent, I think, in your engagement. Well, I think it's what you said that, you know, leads me back to what you said previously where it's really a mission, you know, you feel like this is part of your mission that you want to serve this population. And then you'd be more willing to put your shoes on and go get out into the community and shake hands and kiss babies, essentially, you know, and spend that time. Otherwise, if you just view it as a random job that you got this week, maybe you would be less likely to do so. So you're saying that IH, not only do they have, I'm sorry, IHS, not only do they have jobs at headquarters, but they also have jobs in those communities uh, sprinkled out around the U.S. Is that true? Yeah, all over the country. Um, uh, you can go. You can actually. You can also go to ihs.gov, and there's a career page there. Um, I believe ultimately to apply it directs you back to like the USA Jobs website. Um, mm -hmm. Lots of, and then there are. Um, so there's the IHS jobs that are open and available. Uh, which is part of Indian Health Service, but um, tribes actually run and manage most of the care provided now in their in their communities. So, like 60% of healthcare um, funded by and in the Indian health system is actually run by the tribe. And so, not only will you find our federal jobs, but you can also go and look for jobs on tribal like tribal clinics who are run by the tribe. So, for instance. We, I have a grantee who's in California, and they have had an opening for someone to lead their dementia project for months. Um, mm. and, are and so it's a great opportunity for somebody who could come in with the dementia knowledge and the openness to learning about the community, for instance. And so, um, and this is yeah, uh, it's again, it's one of those opportunities where I think they're more interested in some skill set versus marked as a nurse. Um, where I feel like, you know, as I said, you know, when I was talking earlier, like, you don't have to look for just the jobs that they nurse, like, look for the jobs that are of interest to you and align with your experience or where you want to move next in your career. I know it's really hard sometimes just to put into words all of the qualifications that nurses really possess. 
mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of assessment and knowledge and uh, maybe more specific knowledge with grants and grant writing and, you know, healthcare system knowledge, um, in addition to actually knowing how to treat patients. I mean, how do you capture all of that? But it is what you're saying is maybe the role doesn't require a quote unquote nurse, but a nurse can certainly use their degree to their advantage and show that they can do the tasks listed in the job description. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I would say like, I will find other, it feels somewhat random nurses who are in positions that aren't really a nurse position. Uh, and, you know, the first thing I say on a call is, man, it's really great to see another nurse in a role like this. And yeah. so there's a lot of opportunity. And I can say, you know, with 100% assurance, when it is a nurse in a role that might not have called for a nurse, the, the value add from their nursing experience is through the roof. And so, um, you know, I've said all of my career, I feel like I'm a jack of all trades. Uh, and if you think about nursing, like in like as we're taught nursing and the fundamentals of nursing, we really are taught to be a jack of all trades, right? Yeah. In a healthcare, in any healthcare environment or any community environment, and those best skills, those fundamental skills, and sort of approach and holistic view carries forward in everything that you can do. I'm so glad that you said that because I've interviewed several nurses that are entrepreneurs and it's mm. the same thing. You have to be a jack of all trade or you have to have this cor- and it's not and or, but have this mindset of, well, we're going to figure it out. And that's what nurses do. Kind of like what you're doing with these new roles. Yes. We've got some, you know, loose, not loose, but we've got some guidelines, but nurses are trusted to go out and do this job and say, wait a second, we need to, pivot here, or we need to add this or, and it comes from that wealth and depth of knowledge that they got in nursing school and through their uh, experience with patients. And I think it's so cool. Jolie, that's why I started this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I would say um, if I offered one word of advice to someone um, and, you know, goes back to the, one of the first questions you asked when I had a dream that made me pick health systems management, which probably seems bizarre to some people. Um, the fundamentals that I learned about management, about how to just build a really basic budget, how to work a spreadsheet, like you don't have to be a wizard in that space, but those skills have helped in every single position I've had since then. And so, um, you know, if it, if it were any, you know, advice or guidance, if there's an opportunity that comes up to learn those types of things in whatever role you're in now, learn about how to build a budget, learn about, you know, how to think about creating a project, like picking up those skills and managing um, can, can translate to any setting, any field really, uh, and are really invaluable. You know, that's such a great, valuable advice, because if there are nurses that are listening to this and say they're still at the bedside and they're like, how in the world, even though I'm interested, how in the world would I make the jump from bedside med surge nursing to grant writing or being available for projects? How do you even make that bridge? Well, it's just what you said. If there are projects or get involved at your hospital, talk Mm -hmm. to your educator. Are there some sort of projects that have to do with either grants or setting budgets or some other special project, do that project. And then you can always put it on your resume. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And it, I mean, the other thing it does is it leads to new connections. And 
so much in life is about the people you know. You know, like my son's an undergrad. He was he's been struggling to find a job this summer. He wants to go maybe into medicine or become a um, a PA. And it was a contact I had from my PhD program, who's now leading a program in the health system. Her husband uh, said, hey, I can help you with some observation opportunities here in our health system. And so connections, which is a hard thing for me. I hate small talk, really. Um, but making those connections meet, like work meaningful. You know, like I, if we have a mission it's, and we're working together. But um, creating those relationships is really what has always opened the door for me to kind of the next best opportunity. That's, I'm, gosh, Jolie, you have so much knowledge. You don't even know how this applies to what I've been saying is a lot, every nurse that I talk to, if they give advice about how to get into their specialty or do their job or become an entrepreneur, every single one says the nurse needs to ask questions find someone mm-hmm. to ask questions to. If you're interested in working for the fire department, go downstairs to the ER, shake hands with the paramedics, meet their educators. Um, I had two nurses on last week. They were travel nurses and they just randomly decided to go to TravelCon, the big travelers conference in Vegas, just to see what they could find out. They went by themselves and they just walked around to the booths. They met people, they met each other. And now they have this big app. Like you, you can't be mm-hmm. afraid to just, because it is who you know, but it doesn't have to be this, oh, I don't know anyone, poor me. No, go meet people Mm -hmm. and it's going to be uncomfortable and you will be fine. You'll be fine. You know, I will say the, um, the beauty of nursing is like nurses love nurses. Like we don't have to talk about nursing, but like everybody has a story to tell that it's funny or gross or, you know, meaningful in some way. But like there is just an instant kinship, I think, that happens um, among nurses. And I think take advantage of that. Like, you know, not in a let me use you sort of way, but like recognize that like there's a lot of open doors and people are interested in this space. You just have to start the conversation. Yes. Jolie. That's such great advice. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I think you've given the nurses that are listening some tactical advice about, hey, if you're interested in this, this is what you can do. So I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Black Sheep Nurse podcast. If you want more, head on over to blacksheepnurse.com for show notes and resources from today's episode. You can also join our email list and the website and have the link to weekly notes delivered directly to your inbox. And if you're looking for more everyday fun and community, join us on Instagram at Black Sheep Nurse.